Amen, church, for his faithfulness, for his goodness, his kindness, his mercy. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we, we declare in this place, you are faithful. You are consistent. Lord, you never fail. Lord, sometimes it can be, it can be hard to, to remember that, it can be hard to feel that. And yet in this place, we just want to declare what we know to be true. You are faithful. Just as that sun rises every morning and sets every evening, the God who created that is faithful, consistent, dependable. Lord, this morning we place our faith in you. Whatever measure of faith we bring today, Lord, we place it in you. We worship you in Jesus' name. You can have a seat. Well, good morning. Good morning, yes. Welcome once again to PBC. Uh, my name is Dan. I'm one of the pastors here. And it has been uh, a full weekend here in this room. Paul mentioned the 20th anniversary celebration last night of R&R. The night before that, yeah, that's right. Another round of applause for R&R. The night before that, we had a wedding in here. I was able to officiate a wedding for one of our young couples, Jez and Isabel, who are, yeah, that's right, for Jez and Isabel. They're on their way to Malaysia now, or perhaps they're already. This is actually the, the, the third of fourth PBC weddings in the span of about six weeks. So lots of love to celebrate around here, which is wonderful. At PBC, when, when there's a couple that gets engaged, wants to get married, we as pastors will meet with them for a series of premarital counseling sessions. And the content of those sessions you know, varies a bit by couple to couple or depending on the pastor who's uh, leading them through that. But one of the topics that typically gets touched on is communication. Right? Communication in the context of a relationship is really important. It's kind of one of the foundations that leads to a healthy relationship. And I remember when Lindsay and I were dating, you know, I, I was hearing this, how, how important communication was. And I remember being on board with that, but also thinking like, I mean, Lindsay and I can just talk for hours and hours, day after day. Like, is this really so hard? But there's more to communication than just talking, right? There's good communication and there's bad communication. There, there's communication that leads to misunderstanding and hurt feelings, and there's communication that leads to intimacy and vulnerability and trust. And so there's all kinds of, of variations of good and bad communication. But do you know what? Even if you had the best communication with your spouse or significant other or another relationship in your life, even if you had the best communication, that would only take you so far. Imagine that Lindsay came to me one day and she said, uh, Dan, will you take out the trash? And I say, well, you know, in this season, I'm just, I'm just kind of busy. I'm not really sure that I really have capacity for that in this season. Or you know what? I'm not sure taking out the trash is really my gift. You know, it's not really my strength. I think I have other strengths. Let's try to find someone who, who's better equipped to take out the trash, okay? you might get the sense that maybe there's more going on here than just bad communication, right? There's an unwillingness to actually step in and do what's, what's being asked of me, right? Oftentimes, though, in our relationship with God, we, we find ourselves focused on trying to answer the question, what, what does God want for my life? 
where is God calling me? What does God want me to do in this particular situation or what direction does he want my life to head? And we spend a lot of time trying, trying to hear from God, trying to discern his will. And that's a difficult thing to do, right? Communication is hard, but communication is only half the picture. Because even if we knew beyond the shadow of a doubt what God wanted us to do, each and every one of us is going to encounter along the way some kind of resistance to that. Some, some level of resistance, something that, that holds us back from really stepping out into faith and stepping into obedience into whatever it is that God is calling us to. Last week in Exodus chapter three, we saw Moses hear from God in an incredibly clear way. God spoke to Moses from a burning bush and he told him, I want you to go back to Egypt and to be the one to deliver my people from slavery. The, the message, the communication was crystal clear. Moses knew exactly what God wanted of him. And yet today, as we look at Exodus 4, we're going to see some resistance in the heart of Moses. We're going to see some things that are holding Moses back, keeping him from really stepping out into faith, into what God has called him to. And what we're going to find as we look at Moses resisting God, that these are some of the same things that keep us from following God into what he's leading us into. So we want to understand what is it that's, hold Moses, that's holding Moses back? What is it that tends to hold us back? And how might we overcome that resistance and, and step out in faith and boldness into whatever God may be calling us into? We're going to be in Exodus chapter four, and we're going to see, uh, this is just a continuation of the previous chapter. Moses is still in front of that burning bush. He's still having that same conversation with God. So far, God has told Moses what he wants him to do. He's given him the calling. And then Moses asked a couple of questions, these questions about identity. Now we're going to see a few more responses from Moses, but we're going to get the sense along the way that these are starting to sound more and more like excuses for not doing what God has asked of him. Let's start by looking at Exodus 4, verse 1. It says, Then Moses answered, that is, he answered God, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. So we remember what, what it is that God told Moses to do. When he, when he said, I want you to go back to Egypt, he said, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. But before you go to Pharaoh, I want you to go to the people of Israel. I want you to gather the elders together and I want you to tell them that I have sent you to deliver them from, from slavery. And Moses says, they're not going to believe me. If I, if I go and tell them that, they're, they're not going to believe me. Right? And, and it's actually understandable to, to think why Moses might feel this way. The people of Israel had been enslaved for 400 years. It had been a long time since we have any record of God speaking to his people. Then Moses is born. He, he's a Hebrew, but he's raised in the house of Pharaoh. He goes off to Midian. He comes back and he's going to say, oh, now God is speaking to me. And God has told, he's given me a message. And the people are like, why should we believe you? How can, how can we trust you? So it's, it's understandable why Moses might think this way, why the people might respond that way. But what we miss if we just look at chapter four in isolation from chapter three, is that God has just told Moses that the people will listen. Look at what he says. 
in chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. It says, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed, what you, what, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then here it is. And they will listen to your voice. Promise from God. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your people and I want you to tell them we're leaving Egypt. And they're going to listen to you. I'm also going to send you to Pharaoh. He's not going to listen to you but I'm gonna send you to your people and they are gonna listen. And Moses says, I don't believe it. I don't think so. He, he's, he's wrestling with doubt, right? God, God, I know what you've said. I heard what you said. I, I just don't believe it's gonna happen. It, it's, it seems too risky. It seems too unlikely. Why would they believe me, right? What, what reason would they have? And even though God has given Moses this promise, Moses still says, I I just don't believe it. He had a hard time believing what God said. He was wrestling with his own doubt. Any of us here wrestle with doubt in our relationship with God? Like maybe you have a sense that, that God is calling you into something, but you, you just doubt that that thing could ever really happen. I've been there. I've been there before. I think most of us have probably had different seasons or different times, different instances where we've just doubted whether or not if we stepped out in faith that God would come through, that, that he would be faithful in that situation. It's hard sometimes to have that faith. It was hard for Moses to overcome this doubt. But, but God saw Moses where he was, wrestling with his doubt, and God gives him some miraculous signs to help him overcome that doubt. Here's what we read in verses two through nine. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. And if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it uh, take some water from the Nile, pour it on dry ground, and the water that you take from the Nile will become as blood on the dry ground. These three miraculous signs where God takes something that is so incredibly ordinary and does something extraordinary with it. Moses' staff, as a shepherd, he would have had this with him all the time. God said, that staff, I want to take that and I want to use it. Your hand is just with you all the time. It's so ordinary. Even that I'm going to use. Water from the river, even that I can use. God showing Moses, God showing us 
that he can take something ordinary and he can use it to do something extraordinary. You ever wrestle with feeling ordinary? I know I do. Right? Who, who am I? I'm just, I'm just a person. I'm just another man. Who, who, who am I to be used by God in this way? And God says, I can use a stick. I can use a hand. I can use water. I can use you. Right? Even if you are ordinary, I can use you to do something great. God gives Moses something to help him overcome that doubt that he was wrestling with. But for Moses, there was so much more going on in his heart than just doubt. There was so much more that was keeping him back from following God than just his doubt. And we see this in his next comment in verse two, or, sorry, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. So here we see for Moses that in addition to his doubt, he was also wrestling with some deep-seated insecurities and fears. Literally, he says, I am not a man of words. God says, I want you to go and I want you to speak to your people and I want you to speak to Pharaoh. And Moses says, I'm not a guy who speaks, <laughs> okay? I, that, that, that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm, I'm not good at that. That's not my gift, right? He, he, he's wrestling with these, these, uh, his insecurities and his fears about his own abilities, and we don't know exactly what it is that, that had Moses feeling insecure. It's possible that he had a stutter or a speech impediment of some kind. It's possible he just felt a little rusty in his Egyptian. And he's like, I'm going to go into Pharaoh's court and speak to him. I'm not sure if I'm up for that. It's possible that he just doubted his own ability to turn a phrase, to speak in a winsome way. Whatever it was that was holding him back, he, he was full of fear, full of insecurity, full of a, a sense of inadequacy. He didn't know how he could move forward because he was feeling paralyzed by this sense of fear. You know, we oftentimes think of fear as a bad thing, right? We, we, we shouldn't be afraid. But is fear always bad? I've had many instances where I've been uh, running out in the trails at Rancho San Antonio or some other open space preserve and I have this experience where I'm running and all of a sudden I see in front of me what looks to be a snake it's almost always a root, but it looks like a snake when you're running, right? And I have the same response every time. It's like, I, I kind of jump, I let out a gasp and my, heart re my heartbeat starts racing, okay? Every time, same thing. Oh, there's a snake. What, what's happening in that moment? Well, there's a few different ways we could describe it. One, we could describe the emotion. I'm experiencing the emotion of fear. Fear is the emotional response that we have to the presence of danger or the threat of harm whether that threat is real or perceived, right? We think that we're in danger, and so we begin to feel fear. We're afraid. There's another way we could describe it, though. We could describe it at a physiological level. When I see that rattlesnake poised to strike, it's really just a root, looks like a snake, my, body, my sympathetic nervous system jumps into full gear. My bloodstream is flooded with cortisol. That's the stress hormone. It's what makes your heart start beating faster. It opens up your airways so that your, lung can, your lungs can receive as much oxygen as possible. Sharpens your vision, sharpens your hearing. It, it increases your, your alertness and your attention. It causes blood to flow away from the parts of your brain that, uh, that 
control the rational part of you and it puts it into the part that controls your arms and legs. So you are ready to run or fight. We call it the fight or flight response. It's that feeling that you have when you walk into a big presentation at work or, or in the locker room before a big game or when your significant other says, we need to talk. And you're like, oh. It's that feeling that I have every week before I get up here to preach. Right? The heart starts beating a little bit faster. My attention gets a little bit sharper. My body is ready for action. Fight or flight. It's, it's fear. It's stress. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Somebody told me after the first service, yeah, I, I just live in fight or flight. I was like, that's bad, okay? You don't want to live there. We're not meant to live in fear. There, there's some serious long-term problems that can come from that. But being afraid is not bad, right? If you, if you find yourself standing in front of a rattlesnake, your fear, that fight or flight, it might save your life, right? Fear itself is not bad, but fear can leave us paralyzed. Fear can leave us, leave us immobilized. And so for Moses, the problem, as God is calling him to step into something that felt scary, the problem was not that he was afraid. Being afraid was an appropriate response. The problem was that he let his fear drive him away from what God has prepared him for instead of pushing him towards God. Right? The fear was appropriate. The response to that fear is what got Moses in trouble. Instead of leaning into God and saying, God, I want to have faith that you're going to be with me here in this scary situation. He said, I can't do it. <laughs> it's not my gift. I'm not the right person for that job. I wonder if any of us have ever felt God calling us into something scary. Right? Maybe, maybe you've, you've listened to some of the ministry opportunities around here at PBC in, in the last few months. Opportunities to serve in children's ministry or youth ministry opportunities to be involved in help one child with foster care or compassion ministry or whatever it might be. M maybe there's something else outside the walls of this church, some opportunity that, that God has put before you to be involved in the life of a coworker, to step into a messy situation, to, to do something that feels scary. And as you find yourself in that situation, you have an opportunity, right? We have an opportunity to, to run to God or to run from God, to be immobilized by that fear or to say, God, I'm, I'm ready for action. I'm ready to do whatever you are calling me to so that, so that I can see you do something incredible. We have an opportunity when we're in that place of fear, but we need to find ourselves moving to God. Moses was struggling with this. Moses was struggling to move towards God. And so God wants to give him a reminder, a promise that God is not going to send him into anything where God himself will also not be. We see this in, uh, in the next verse, 13 and 14, or sorry, 11 and 12. The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and will teach you what to speak. God says, I'm, I'm not sending you alone. Right? That thing that feels scary, that thing that, thing that you don't feel equipped for, I, I'm not just going to throw you out there and like hope it goes okay. I'm going to give you what you need. 
I'm gonna give you what you need to do what I'm calling to and what I'm calling you to, and I'm gonna be with you in that place. It's this, this promise from God that he is not going to call us to something for which he is not going to equip us. He's not gonna send us somewhere that he himself is not going to be there with us. It still might feel scary. We, we still might be in fight or flight, but we have an opportunity to find God in that place and to watch him do something incredible. Moses was, was wrestling with this. He was wrestling with this. He needed to hear this promise. If he was gonna be able to find faith to trust God, he needed this promise from God that God was gonna equip him and be with him. And we need that promise as well. Awesome. Moses, he's talking with God now. This is good. He's like, God, I've got some serious doubts about this. And God gives him these miraculous signs to overcome his doubt. He's like, God, God, I am so scared. I am so terrified. And God says, it's okay. I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna give you what you need. And now as, as Moses gets to this place, he's ready to, to run off to Egypt and to, to speak to the people and bring them out into freedom. No, <laughs> Moses is not ready for that yet because there's still something inside of him under his doubts, under his fears that's keeping him from stepping out in faith into what God has called him to. And we see this in his last response here to the Lord in verse 14. No, sorry, verse 13. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. In other words, I don't wanna go, <laughs> okay? God, I don't wanna go. I don't wanna do it. I know you're calling me there. I know you said you're gonna be with me. At the, at the end of the day, I just don't wanna go. I'm not the person, send someone else. Here we see that under Moses' fear and under his doubt is just this unwillingness to follow God, a lack of desire to do what God is calling him to. It's the hardness of Moses' heart that he's running into here, a heart that's not soft to God, that's not malleable, that just says, God, at the end of the day, I don't wanna follow you. I don't want to do it. I wonder if any of us have felt that way before. Right? Maybe, maybe we've, we've felt God asking us to step into something. We, we, we've had an opportunity and we've, we've given some excuses, right? We, we, we've talked about our fear. We, we, we've talked about our doubt. And then at the end of the day, God kind of pulls back the layers a little bit and he says, there's something else in there. And we're like, yeah, I just don't want to. God, I, I know you might be calling me to that, but, but I just don't want to do it. I, I know you might be inviting me to step into that life, to, to the life of that person, to, to be an encouragement to them, to be a witness to them. I just don't want to do it. God, I, I know you might be calling me to make this particular transition in my life. I, I know you might be calling me into to this kind of uh, parenting or, or, or this kind of marriage, to, to love my spouse in this way. And I, God, I, I, just, I just don't want to. There's, there's a hardness of heart there. I wonder if you've ever felt that way, if you've ever experienced that before. I know I have. Many times. I think of one time though, I was, I was 15 years old. I was 15 years old when I first started feeling God call me into ministry. And 
it, it happened first at, at this youth conference I was at with my church. And at the end of the conference, there was this invitation for any students to, to stand up and come forward if they felt like the Lord was calling them into ministry. And I had this thought for the first time ever, I think maybe I'm supposed to do that. I think maybe God wants me to be a pastor. And I was like, nah, nah, that's, that's silly. That's, that's just me. Like they just, they just ask people to stand up. Like it's natural to feel like I should stand up. That, that, that must just be kind of my own thought. And so I just kind of pushed the thought aside and I sat there. But over the coming weeks and, and the coming months, this thought kept coming back. I, I just couldn't quite shake it. And I was asking God, it's that process of discerning, God, is this from you? God, is this you speaking? Is this just me? Like, what, what's going on here? That next summer, I was on a mission trip down to Mexico. And through, through a series of circumstances, God just made it abundantly clear, this was him speaking. This, this is what he wanted me to do, the direction he wanted me to go with my life. And as I sat there with clarity from God, there was still a lot of unanswered questions, but at least a direction was set. That was clear. And I was full of so much doubt. God, who am I? How, how could I do that? How could I get up in front of people and, and teach your word? How could I walk with people through some of the hardest things they're gonna go through? How, how, how could I do that? And fear, the fear was actually way stronger than the doubt. It was the thought of, I'm, I'm, I'm 15 years old. I'm gonna go back to my friends and family. I'm gonna tell them, God spoke to me and told me that he wants me to be a pastor. Like, hey, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Well, God told me I'm supposed to be a pastor, right? What are people gonna think? Like, that's, that's so weird, that's strange. Like, I, I can't go back and do that. All kinds of other fears, fears about financial insecurity, fears about spiritual warfare, right? fears about my own inadequacies to actually do this. I, I was full of fear. And what God showed me as I was talking with God about these fears on that mission trip was that, that wasn't the only thing that was holding me back. In fact, God was doing one thing after another to, to, to peel back the doubt and say, you don't have to worry about that to deal with the fear and say, you don't have to worry about that. And at the end of the day, I found myself there as I talked with God about this, with the reality that deep down, I just didn't want to. It's not what I wanted for my life. I, I had a whole nother life over here of things that I was gonna go do. And God said, I want you to go over here. And, and, and I was left like, I just don't want to. It's not what I wanna do. I have other plans. I have other ambitions. My life is supposed to go this way. I don't want it to go this way. And God said, yeah, but this, this is where I want you to go. Have you ever felt like that before? Have you ever felt God calling you to something, right? Asking you to move in a direction. Maybe it's a general direction. Maybe it's a specific decision. You felt God moving you in some way and you're left there just going, I don't want to. I, I, just, I just don't want to do it, God. How do you think God responds to that hardness of heart that we all have inside of us? How do you think God responded to Moses when Moses said, I don't wanna do it, send somebody else? Well, we actually see God's response in verses 14 to 17. So let's take a look. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well, Behold, he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, 
and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. This response that God has to Moses here is, is remarkable, right? The first thing it says, his anger was kindled, right? That's a sense of this is not right. Moses, this is not how you ought to respond to me. This is lack of faith. This is not a willingness to follow. This is not right. And it made God angry. And then in his anger, God saw through to exactly what Moses needed to help him find enough faith to take one step forward in obedience. God said, I know you need Aaron. So I'm gonna give you Aaron. He didn't, he didn't slap him and say, Moses, just shape up. This is what I said. This is what we're doing. He didn't throw him aside and said, I'm just gonna take someone else. No, he, he found out exactly what Moses needed to just find enough faith to take one step forward in obedience. And God said, here, this is my gift of grace to you, Moses. As I was on that mission trip, talking with God about all of these things, wrestling with my calling and my fear and the hardness of my own heart. There was one evening where we were having a worship night. It was our team and a number of other teams, a fairly large group of youth. And I was in the front row uh, and I was just kneeling down, talking with God. It was loud, everyone was singing. And I was just pouring out my heart to God, right? All of these doubts, all of these fears, all of these you know, insecurities, all of this, God, I don't wanna do this. But also wrestling with the fact that like, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And I was just talking with God about this. I was, I was, I was emotional, I was crying, I'm down on my knees on the floor. And then I felt a hand on my shoulder. And it was one of the, the workers, one of the staff members of this missions organization that we were serving with. I had never met him before. He, he, came behind me and he, he put his hand on my shoulder and I, I took a few moments to kind of calm down and collect myself enough so that I could tell him a little bit about what was going on. He's probably like, are you okay? I'm like, oh, not really. Um, tell him a little bit about what's going on. And he said, well, God wanted me to come over here and he wanted me to tell you two things. First is a verse, it's Joshua 1.9. It says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Second thing he said, I, God just wants me to let you know that he's going to use you in his kingdom. Those two words were exactly the gift of grace that I needed to be able to say yes to God in that moment. <laughs> okay, God. Okay, I'm still scared. I'm still full of doubt. I'm still full of insecurity, but God, Here's your promise. Here's the gift of grace that you gave to me to just be able to take that one step forward in faith and say yes to the Lord. So my question to you this morning is what gift of grace do you need? What is that, that, that gift that you need from the Lord? Right? A word of encouragement, a practical step of help, something else. What, what is that gift of grace that you need from the Lord to be able to, to overcome that, that thing that's holding you back from really stepping out into faith. You might not know what that is. I had no idea what that was. I wasn't expecting this, 
but God knew. God knew what it was. And he, he gave me that gift of grace. Moses, I don't think he was expecting God to give him Aaron, right? It probably hadn't crossed his mind. He was looking for ways out. And God said, here's your gift of grace. He's, here's Aaron. He's gonna speak for you. He's gonna be your mouth. The exact gift of grace that he needed. What is the gift of grace that you need from God to be able to take one step forward in faith into what he may be calling you into? We need to ask God for that. We need to expect God for that, that he's gonna show up and he is going to deliver. In the rest of Exodus 4, as, as Moses hears this from God, we see Moses responding in faith. He goes back to Midian. He, he gets his wife, his kids. He goes back to Egypt. He gathers the elders and he tells them, here's what God has said. Here's what we're supposed to do. And here's the response that they have. The last verse of chapter four, verse 31. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. It worked. It worked. God said, go and do this. I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna give you Aaron. I'm gonna give you the grace that you need. Together, Moses and Aaron step out into faith and it worked. God came through because that is what God does. Just a few moments here, we're gonna come forward to these tables, communion table. We, we have these two elements, the bread, the juice, these things that, that Jesus took and, and gave us as symbols for what he did for us on the cross. His body broken for us, his blood poured out for us. It was on that cross that Jesus gave his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. That is, he said, you have a problem and there's nothing that you can do about it. It's your sin, but you know what? I can do something about it. And so he came and he lived a perfect life and he died the death of a criminal on that cross in order to pay the price that was ours to pay. And as he did that, he defeated sin and death itself. He rose from the dead three days later and he said, the grave no longer has any power over you. When we think about the gift of grace that we need, this is the gift. Jesus is the gift. He says, I, I have given you everything that you need. I, I have opened the doors to eternal life. I am pouring out my love, my grace, and my forgiveness on you. Everything that we need, we have in Christ. That is our grace. He is our grace. Communion itself is sometimes referred to as a, as a means of grace. That is, we, we kind of go about our lives and we have this grace of God, but sometimes it feels difficult to access it. It feels difficult to, to apply it. It's kind of out there, it's ideas. And so we have this practice. We have this practice where, where we take the bread and, and we take the cup and we eat these things and we drink these things. And somehow in some mysterious way in that process, the grace that is ours in Christ becomes more accessible to us. That, that we get to experience it in a, in a new and powerful way. And so this morning as we come forward to the table, I wanna invite you to ask God the question, what is the grace that I need today? What, what do I need to receive from you as a gift in order, to be, in order to step forward more fully into your calling on my life? What is that gift of grace? And as you take the elements, 
allow this to be a means of grace, something that connects you to the love, the grace, the sacrifice of Jesus. This is communion, a celebration of all that we have in Christ. So let's just take a moment and pause here. For in the, the middle section, the ushers will come and they'll dismiss us by row, same with the patio. If you're on the wings, when you're ready, you can just come forward and take the elements. But as we sit here in this place, let's just ask the Lord together, God, what is the gift of grace that we need from you? And then just open yourself up. God, we wanna receive it. We wanna receive from you whatever it is that we need. And we trust that you know best. So Lord, would you, would you fill us? Would you empower us? Would you help us lean into you instead of running away from you? We offer ourselves to you in this place as we prepare to receive from you. Amen.